From one islander to another, Isle of Wight Radio proudly presents John Hannam Meets. Delighted to welcome back to John Hannam Meets, Joe McEldry. Nice to see you again. I know, it's lovely to see you again. And currently you're in the Mayflower pantomime, Mm -hmm. Dick Whittington, until January the 6th. Yes. We first met in... Oxford. Yes, you came to my dressing room, didn't you? I did. Good that day, was, that was. Yeah, I think that was one of my... Was it one of my first solo tours, maybe, or the second one? It was quite early on when I first started touring, I think. About four years ago, wasn't it? Yes, it was. You were celebrating a new album, yeah, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. Four years ago, probably. And one of your relatives was in the dressing room, I Sounds think. Sounds about it? right. <laughs> <laughs> she was an oldish lady, was that? Yeah, she um, she comes out on the road. She helps us out and everything. She's a, um, It's my auntie, actually. Oh, is it? Yeah. I thought it might be related yeah. to you. She does all of my wardrobe and dressing, and she's kind of me, me little assistant. She's a, as I call her, the magician. She magics everything up so that I'm able to get on stage. She's very wonderful. And that day was a one-off day, and all the gear was coming in while we yeah. were chatting, and uh, it was just a, a one-day concert, wasn't it? Yeah, really? well, with me solo shows, unless we're doing, you know, two nights somewhere, or by demand we have to stay a couple of nights in the city to do like, you know, three shows or two shows in the same venue, most of my one-off shows are, are, are literally straight in, perform, leave. So I rarely ever get to see any of the cities when I'm on my own tours, which is why when I do things like this with a pantomime, you're, you're here for a month, you know, you get to see the city, you get to meet people properly, you're not kind of dashing out of the venue to get to the next one, so it's, um, it's a little bit calmer. Since we last met, South Shields, that's where you were born, yeah. I watched them play football in a cup at Wembley, yes. and they won. They did an amazing, honestly, the whole town was absolutely like buzzing, and they sent people down by coach trips and bus loads to go and watch them at Wembley. I sent them a good luck message because I don't really follow and support football. But I think anything like that where a local football club gets to something like that is an amazing achievement. Yeah, they weren't the favourites, I think. No. Her- Hereford were the favourites, yeah. but they were sort of... They smashed it. Yes, they did. There's something in the water, I think, in the northeast. <laughs> we all work hard and uh, support one another. What are they called people that come from South Shields? Sand dancers. That's it. Why is that? Well, I, I assume it's because it's... I don't actually know why, but I assume it's because we're... You, you have Mackhams who are Sunderland... Geordie's Newcastle and Sandance, and I assume it's because we live right on the beach. The beach is within five minutes from the whole town. So I think it's like they're dancing along the sand, you know? <laughs> I think that's what it is. Right, so you're in Southampton. Obviously, you're in the pantomime. Yeah. So what's your take on pantomimes? Your first one was at Hayes, wasn't it, a few yeah. years ago? Well, when I was first approached, I didn't know if I was going to enjoy it. That was the reason why I didn't kind of... When I was first doing it, I was like, am I going to like this? Am I going to enjoy it and what I love about Panto is I love the the way that you go completely with the audience you know the audience are almost in control of the show which makes it really exciting for us no show's the same you know we have a set script and we have set pieces and set comedy and songs but there's so many things that happen and audience members join in you know oh yes he is oh no he isn't all of that and it's just the fun of of that kind of camaraderie between the cast and the audience and I just love it. I just, uh, it, uh, for me, it sounds ridiculous to say, but it's like going to therapy for Christmas. <laughs> it is because, you know, I, I hate that bit in the middle of Christmas between Christmas and New Year where you're just 
lying around doing nothing. You've ate too much. And then you get past New Year's Eve and there's always that January blues and everyone feels like, oh, you know, I don't know what to do. And, and also in the industry as well, in the music industry and in the performing arts industry, the whole industry shuts down. So when you do panto, you skip that horrible bit between Christmas. You spend the whole time celebrating Christmas much longer than you should anyways. And then you come out at the end of January and you just feel really happy and you've had a great time. And I always just feel really lighthearted at the end of January. So it's like my personal therapy for the year. It's a little bit hard work, but it's a, yeah, it certainly makes us happy. And you're still very young, so you can play Dick Whittington, can't you? Yeah, I'm wondering when they'll start crossing us over into the older parts. I wonder I, what that conversation will be like. Well, you're a little bit too old now. I, I think I've still got a good few years. You I'm certainly have. You know, as long as I keep my uh, skin regime up. <laughs> on, on the Isle of Wight, as you know where I live, once I saw uh, Cinderella and I think Buttons was over 60 and it didn't seem to work that well. Yeah, really. it's normally, I mean, obviously, you know, we, you, you, the great thing about the Kudos shows they work with the best comedians in the business. And, you know, some of those guys have been around for years and years and years. And the way they put the shows together and weave the script in with, you know, because as well, the great thing that I've always enjoyed about working with Kudos as well, they allow you to bring your own career and personality into the character. So it's all put into the script and it's all cleverly put together so that it's you're not too far detached from yourself as well, which is a really nice thing to be a performer in a show but you can still bring your own personality and you're not just playing the character. The link man is so important, isn't it? The buttons type character in any pantomime yeah. because if anything goes wrong and they're gifted, they can just carry yeah. on, can't well, they? Well, we got Bobby Davril this year. He's fantastic. Uh, he's amazing. He did his first summer season on the Isle of Wight in 1979. Wow. and wow. Uh, Yeah, he was doing impressions then, of course, which was the well, way been, into the business. He's in been doing days. impressions all day to day. Has he? He's just done it. What, what impressions he just done now? And it's really, it really tickled. Uh, a Neil Sedaka impression. <laughs> really? He was sat at the piano and it literally sounded like him. <laughs> did he? And then what else did we got? We got a Barry Manilow one and then a Michael McIntyre. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he'll do them in the show, but he's been doing them in rehearsals. <laughs> Has the sort of variety of your career, has it taken you by surprise? Obviously, um, X Factor and then you've done, had hit singles, albums, mm. Joseph, yeah. Tommy. Has it taken you by surprise? Or Yeah, I didn't imagine, I didn't imagine it would be so varied. I, I always kind of thought that it would be very kind of one track. And then I started getting offered these opportunities. And at first, I was a bit like, what do I do? You know, do I do... Everybody was offering musical theatre roles. I was offered Pop Star Opera Star. I think Pop Star Opera Star was probably the turning point of where I thought, do you know what? If it's something that I can have fun with and enjoy, I'm just going to do it. And that was the first time where I was like, you know what? Let's just try it and see what happens. And it turned out to be one of the best things that ever happened in my career. That was a real cementing point, I think, for me in the industry. It was the moment where... I'd kind of shook off that X Factor tag and people were like, all right, okay, you know, we can kind of see what he's doing here and appreciated the work that I'd put in on the show and I really felt a sense of kind of, I don't know, I I felt after that show, people treat us with a little bit more respect and I don't mean that in an arrogant way. I just mean before that, I was kind of always just like, oh, it's that little kid off the X Factor, you know, that little boy. And then after that show, I think I showed a different kind of, you know, technique and style 
and I don't know. I just I felt people change towards us a little bit, which was nice. It was a nice. It was a nice feeling. Very early on, before X Factor, I think you did Greece, didn't you? Yeah, that was. I was. Yeah, uh, school. Yes. Last year was school. I was sixteen, <laughs> and I was at uh, Danny Zuko. I was slightly chubbier then as well. <laughs> <laughs> just mention the X Factor. Obviously, you won it outright in two thousand and nine. Yeah. I don't think now, Joe, that the this. The sort of current one doesn't have the impact that it did a few years ago. No, I totally agree. I will say before anything is I love the show. I love the platform that the show gave me. And um, I would not be where I am today and I would not have experienced half of the things that I've done without um, that show. You know, yes, I work hard. And yes, I, I keep my head down and I ignore people when they tell us I can't do something. But um, I do totally respect the show for the platform it gives us. On the other hand, I do think they've changed the format too much and it's made people kind of lose that. I think people were so invested with the show back then. They really wanted the people to do well. They saw the journey that everybody went on. I hate using that word, but it's true. You know, you you, you were literally plucked from obscurity and people watched you be given this career in front of the nation, you know, and I think it was a really kind of special thing and people have felt a part of your career. I think now it's, it's become a little bit like a pantomime. It, everything is so over the top and forced and fake and I think people can see through that you know which is a shame because I don't think it needs to be like that and the show had a lot more weight to it when it wasn't like that. It's now not so easy to become sort of an overnight star from the show is it? I think the reason for that is it doesn't have as many viewers so your impact into the industry is a lot smaller than it used to be but I think you just have to use anything like that as a platform you know and nobody and also you know nobody is responsible for your career. That's what I always, I've always said that. X Factor is not in, not in any way, shape or form res- responsible for my career. I got a platform from the show. What I choose to do with that platform is up to me. And yes, you know, there's been industry setbacks and I won't go into the ins and outs of it because it's boring, you know, and it's politics that people don't need to know about. I've had industry setbacks from, you know, behind the scenes people. Um, but I just shrug that off and I move on, you know. I'm responsible for my own career and where I go and I just have to use the stepping stones that come along the way, you know? Because early on, you, you tried it, and then you walked away and came back, didn't you? I did, yeah. So, I was 15, and I just felt too young. I was freaked out by the cameras. I wasn't confident enough as a singer, um, and I just didn't feel ready. And I knew I wouldn't have been able to cope. And it's really hard because everybody thinks that everybody wants to be famous. There's this preconceived idea that being famous is the best thing in the whole wide world and it's actually not. <laughs> it's the worst part of my job, if I'm honest, you know? I love the support that I get um, and I love the I love the fact that I have such a strong connection with my fans, but the, everything else that comes outside of that is the worst part of the job. The best thing is, is standing on the stage, the connection with the audience, that is the 100% thing that I love. But people have this idea that, well, you should you should love it. You should love being famous because because it's 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 advertised as this wonderful thing, and so when I said I didn't want to do it, everyone was like, "Why would you do that? You're so stupid! Like you've made the biggest mistake of your life, and you're going to regret that for the." And it was like, "Hang on a minute. Let's just take a little pause on the. Let's press the pause button. If I'm not ready for something, and I know that I mentally can't cope with it." then by stepping away from it, I'm not taking myself into a situation that is just going to come a mess. And that's what I did. 
And I said at the time, I said I would never go back to it. I said I would never do that again. It's not for me. I'm just going to do me singing and performing arts. And, I'll, and maybe I'll become a performing arts teacher. Maybe being in front of a camera and an audience is not for me. And then I just grew up a little bit. I grew up a little bit. I got a bit more confidence, a bit more kind of, you know, kind of grip behind us. And I was like, all right, actually, you know what? I can do it. I'll try it. Which is why I went back. The guy that came second's done all right, hasn't he? He has. <laughs> He's done very well. Ollie Murray's, was yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. He's had some very good songs as well. You've always been prepared to gamble, haven't you? Because you did the jump. Yeah. <laughs> did that surprise you when you won that or what? Well, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't supposed to do that. Yeah, show. I know. Yeah, I was, that, that was completely, I was on holiday with my family and I got a phone call from my management saying that Channel 4 needed somebody to go into the show that could kind of skip, because basically the celebrities were all trained up to a certain point of skiing because some of them had never skied before. And they needed somebody that was at that level to step in that could miss the training to be passed on the insurance checks. Because obviously we were all insured for a lot of money because it was a really dangerous oh, yeah. show. Um, and you had to pass a medical and you had to pass, we had to go onto the ski slope with a skiing instructor and they had to sign you off as if you were safe enough to take part in the show. And all the other celebrities had gone through it and they had nobody left that was trained enough to go and pass that thing because all the ones that were on reserves waiting out there to go on the show had been used. They were all injured because it was dangerous. So I got a phone call at about two o'clock on the Wednesday afternoon. Um, I got picked up from my hotel at six o'clock that night I signed a contract at about 10 o'clock that evening and at 6am in the morning I was hurtling down a ski slope <laughs> at about 70 mile an hour with a camera crew filming us. <laughs> the most abnormal week holiday I've ever had. And I stayed out there for a month, obviously, filming the show. Obviously, me being old, I can remember The Who and Tommy from the originals. Yeah. Was that a surprise to go into that? Yes. Yeah, it was. Um, when I was asked to do it, I was really kind of, I thought, can I do this and can I do it well? Um, I loved the music, first of all, which was why I was interested in doing it. But, you know, it was a big role and it was a sensitive topic as well. You know, it was around that time of where everybody was starting to discuss, you know, all of the, it, it was just before the, the kind of that Me Too movement as well and all of the abuse things and all of that. So it was a very kind of sensitive subject to to, to be a part of, you know. So we had to kind of cleverly, because as well, in the film and in, and in the music, it's quite graphic, you know. Some of the scenes are quite, like, they're out there and they're very obvious as to what's going on. So um, it was it was a big role to take on and I kind of wanted to treat it with respect and not, obviously, offend anyone. Um, and obviously the music as well was a huge thing, so it was... It was a big thing. But it was that was, again, it was another turning point where when I did that, I thought, do you know what? I'd love to be in a musical now. I did a one-off concert of it. And then a year and a half later, I got asked to do the three-week run in Blackpool where we did it with a full cast, full production, band, everything. And it was that moment I'd just started talking about Joseph. Mm. And it was that, that was the thing that made us think, actually, I really want to be a part of a cast and be a part of a show and see, see like, on a long-term basis. Um, and that was why I agreed to do Joseph. Mark Shenton, he, he liked you, didn't he? He gave you a good write-up. Well, you know, Mark Shenton is is um, is a very tough critic, you know, and he speaks his mind and he also knows what he's talking about. Um, so when they told me he was coming to the show... <laughs> yeah, but you were a bit I was scared, like, oh, my God, I don't want to see it. I was <laughs> like, I don't want to see what he writes. Because, you know, I, I, he's renowned in the industry for... Y y everybody takes his, his reviews very seriously. And I was panicking, thinking, oh, my God, like, 
if he slates me, this is it. It's over. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I was honoured. I was honoured and I was flattered by his comments. And all you you want people to do as a performer, you know what? On the other hand, I try not to take too much notice of um, reviews because too much of a good thing is bad and too much of a bad thing is bad. It's good to kind of stay neutral and always think how you can become better. But all you want as a performer is to people to leave and see you did a good job. So when I, when I got that that review, it was um, it was very nice. And it's very nice seeing it on posters when you go I was going to say, I bet nice. some of your family have got it in a frame, haven't they? Well, actually, I've actually asked them. I haven't got it Um but they've got like a mock-up poster and it's got it on the bottom of the stage right. review and I, I really need to get one for a keepsake box. So looking to the future, what sort of direction do you want to go really? More of the same and more of new stuff, you know. Um, I, I've kind of got a really good balance at the minute. I kind of do, I, I drop into kind of the musical theatre stuff. I do a little project, then I come out, I do my own solo stuff. I do panto I do my own solo stuff, then I do a musical theatre, sometimes do a TV thing. I kind of flick between, I, I kind of have worked out the format of keeping the different balls rolling now. So I'm not really, if it's, like I said, I'm, I, I find over the years, the things that I never thought I would do have become the best things ever. So I think it's pointless planning. The, the industry has changed so much now and you can't plan. It's so fast changing. It's so last minute. It's so different from day to day um, that whatever opportunities come along, if, it, if I can have fun and try it out and meet great people and have, be able to perform in front of great audiences, then I, I'm happy to do it. What about a straight role in a drama? Would you like that? I think I would miss the singing, but I'd love to do some maybe film stuff or maybe a bit of TV. That would be fun. You know, a bit of TV acting would be um, something different. And obviously working with um, Steve McFadden and Suzanne Shaw, who Suzanne did Emma Dill and obviously Steve very mm. famously, um, Phil Mitchell. Um, I've been chatting to them about all that because I'm really interested to know how, how the filming of the soaps work and everything like that. So they've been giving us a bit of an insight into all of that as well. It's hard work being in a soap because when they first started some of them they did two shows a week but yeah. when it gets up to three or four it's well, quite tough bless steve he's been flying back and forwards filming eastenders like he's been all over the place but what's fascinating to watch is how quick they retain lines because obviously they only get one take on there they have yeah. like a half an hour slot to shoot a scene and it's fascinating to see how quick they just retain the whole script and dialogue because obviously they must have so many scripts to learn in in a week um, so it's uh, it's great to work with them as well. Joe, before you started out, who sort of influenced you? I loved Luther Vandross. I loved Celine Dion, Michael Jackson, Beyonce. I loved Shania Twain. I loved country artists, Carrie Underwood, Lady Antebellum. I loved people that put a big show on, put a show on where they involved the audience and it was about the music and getting them to clap along and sing along. That really made the audience a part of it. So when I do my concerts, I always try and do that, you know. Um, even if we're doing smaller shows with less production, I still make that audience participation a huge part of the show because it, it's so important as an audience member. And I'm a fan of music, you know, although I'm a singer and I do it as a job, I'm a fan of going to see concerts and watching how an artist performs. And there's nothing worse than when you go and see somebody and you can just tell they're phoning it in. They're just doing the same thing they did last night. I hate it as a performer. It frustrates us. So when I do my shows, I try and change it every night. I try and do something a little bit different that makes the audience feel like they're getting something off the cuff almost. Because if people feel like they're a part of something that hasn't happened before, it makes them enjoy it twice as much. 
You won a couple of awards. You won a Virgin Media Award, didn't you? Yeah. What was that for again? That was Best Act on a Reality... Oh, yes. Yes. It was a public vote one, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah. And then you won a Silver Heart Award, didn't you? Yeah. And I just got the... I actually give us... Um, about two weeks ago, I was very lucky. They give me... A, um, the Variety Club, who give us the Silver Heart, they, they give me the Ambassadors Award. They made me a celebrity ambassador, which was wonderful. Just before you go, you, you like writing songs too, don't you? Um, yeah, I've been in the studio over the last two months, writing and recording some new material for an album next year. So that's been fun to be back in there. And I had the summer off. I did Joseph and I did an album last year, I did a tour, then I went back to Joseph and then I had a, two months off before um, February and I went back out on tour and I got to the end of the the tour and my mind was just a bit kind of, I was, I'd just been on the treadmill a bit too long, you know, my mind was a bit, and I couldn't kind of focus on writing songs and like music and so I was, the plan was to record it in the summer and I just said, you know what, I just need to go home and just go out and have a good few parties with my friends, you know, and just kind of not think about anything. And so I did. I went home and I ate too much food. I drank too much alcohol, um, had too many parties, um, just met friends, you know, went on a few holidays. And then when it came to September, my mind was kind of, it was clear. I, I just kind of had a little bit of a normal life for a couple of months. And then I've been in the studio recently writing and stuff. And it's amazing. It's amazing how your mind kind of resets itself, you know. It wasn't anything deep-rooted or anything it was just kind of from being busy I was a bit like no focus you know so back to the Mayflower I've been watching Pantos here since gosh the 60s and 70s Mm. and they're they're terrific they're always wonderful so let's go back to that one because the big Pantos here uh, there's quite a lot of ad-libbing at times what it looks like ad-libbing so that's all part of it all the fun isn't it and I love it when I tell every comedian I work with I say, you can corpse me all you want. I love it. Sometimes the audience love that even more than the stuff we put in the show. You know, if they know that it's gone wrong and where you can't stop laughing. Um, and I get the, I really get the giggles. And I, today is the first day that Bobby has just managed to just, he's just managed to just clink in. And he's, he's, he's ruined every scene today with me because he's made us laugh so much. But the audience will love that. But it's that thing, it's like when you're at school and somebody says don't laugh, the teacher says don't laugh and you find it so much more funnier when you know you're not supposed to laugh, you can't stop laughing. So Dick Whittington, Mayflower, from December 15 to January the 6th. That's right. Any big uh, plans for next year? Yeah, so the, the, the day this finishes, I will be going straight to London to start a brand new musical, which is going on tour, called Club Tropicana, um, which is all 80s music, and I play Gary, a hotel entertainment manager very kind of flamboyant and sassy uh, and we're touring all over the UK from January until August um, it's all it's the soundtrack of the 80s so we've got Just Can't Get Enough Depeche Mode um, and we are coming here aren't we we're coming to Southampton Mayflower do you know when it is yeah sometime I want to say it's towards the end but I'm, I'm terrible with dates so I don't <laughs> I don't know if that's right I'm going to say, I'm going to guess right now go on then while this wonderful lady finds out I'm going to say March is it March? 80s there was some great music in the 80s July not even July. close <laughs> well we're coming to the Mayflower in July but it's going to be a great show and I've already done all the 
prep and planning for that um, with the with the cast. We did a big read through a couple of weeks ago, and it is going to be hilarious. Are you singing some of the big songs? Singing the some idea? of the big songs. We've got Neil McDermott, Kate Robbins. Um, Have you? Yeah, they're all in it as well. Amel Baraba from the Sugar Babes. Um, Emily Teeny and a wonderful cast of, of great people but 80s music I mean people just love it you know and that's going to be so fun and they're just all them songs that people can sing along with you know like Cindy Lauper girls just want to have fun uh, relax don't do it um, Buck's face making your mind up oh yes I wonder if they'll make us rip the skirt off I'm yet to find <laughs> out <laughs> yes Joe, thanks for your time on a busy day. I know you're rehearsing. You've got to go back to rehearsals now or not? I, well, actually, I think I'm done for the day. Are you? So I might go and lie in a dark room and sleep until tomorrow. <laughs> not a party tonight. Well, then. no, because the next three days are going to be from 9am in the morning till 11 o'clock at night. And that's be just before we get to Saturday. And then, obviously, we go straight into a run of shows. So it's it's going to be full on. Joe, you've got a reputation in the business of being a nice guy. And that doesn't happen to everyone. So congratulations on that. Because you are hard, a nice it's guy. Hard, it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not hard to be nice. It's hard dealing with people who aren't nice and staying nice. That's what I will say. Um, this industry is a wonderful industry to be in. But there's um, there are also a lot of dodgy people in it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but my motto is, um, you know, when they go low, as Michelle Obama said recently, when they go low, you go high. Stay on the high road. It's always a better place to be. Happy Christmas. Happy New Year. See you back here in July. I will. Thank you for your time. It's a real pleasure. It's always a buzz to talk to you. Thank you. Pleasure. It's great. He's got a swell personality, he meets and greets the stars with such amenity, good enough to make you coming out of the street, John Hannameet. That's right. You've been listening to John Hannameet's courtesy of Isle of Wight Radio. Don't forget to look at my website, johnhannam.com, for news of more interviews and how you might purchase my books. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye for now.